Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Mark Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. And today we want to welcome two very special guests and two people that uh, that mean a lot to me and very near, near to my heart, Judy Frazier and Lydia Nuttall. Ladies, thank you for coming and, and helping with the program today. You're so welcome, March. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be back. This has been quite an experience and very interesting. Well, thank you. Uh, For listeners, if you don't know, Judy Frazier is the president of We The Kids. Uh, Lydia Nuttall is on the board of We The Kids, and she has written a book, a very nice, great book called American uh, Forgotten Forgotten American Stories. I can't even get the name out, Lydia. So, um, and Lydia and Judy and I, we do a show for one Saturday mornings, we the kids. So both, I want to thank you personally for what you're doing with trying to educate the youth of America about the true American story and continuing that the, the great tradition of who we are as a country. So thank you both for for helping me out today. You're you're just really awesome on we the kids. So thank you. Well, yeah, Lydia is awesome on we the kids and yes, she all the is. work you put into it. So once in a while we have to get more than one word answers out of her, Judy, because she's famous for saying <laughs> the word. Yep, and that's it. Hey, hey, hey. hey there yeah, you go. Yeah. So uh, we were we're doing a series and we stopped doing it for a couple of weeks because of the unfortunate death of um, Kim De Blas at the Freedoms Foundation. Mm-hmm. We're doing I'm doing a series on local American history. And several weeks ago, I had Judy on because we began to talk about uh, General Anthony, Mad Anthony Wayne. And, you know, we didn't get very much, very far into his military t- t- career. So I wanted to come back to that and do a couple more shows on uh, General Mad Anthony Wayne. And ladies, is there anything that 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 you have looked at that sticks out in your mind about uh, the life or the military career of uh, General Anthony Wayne? I think it's interesting that um, he was a surveyor because there are a few other of of our founders who also did surveying. Um, For one, didn't Thomas Jefferson, didn't George Washington... Weren't they surveyors? You know, they were. Before they, so yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting common tie and that he was also a tanner. Um, so, yeah, and a Pennsylvanian. And please don't hold that against him for being a Pennsylvanian. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know there's some strange people that live in, in Pennsylvania, particularly a certain one that lives in Collegeville. Um, <laughs> why, do you, why do you think, you know, why do you think that surveying would be would be a career in this time period that people would would want to do well the west was expanding right i mean they went up to the appalachian mountains and people now i mean from the atlantic ocean to the appalachian mountains and people were starting to explore um and push towards the west the ohio river valley for example um cumberland gap daniel boone you know if we've heard of him um and other explorers so if you're starting to settle new places, you need a surveyor to stake out legally what your land is from your neighbors. And, I don't and, know. That's my thoughts. Well, and you're right. And, and Judy, you know, we think that land was so important to colonists as it still isn't very important to us today. And we always we almost think it's our right, you know, to, to have a piece of land or property. It, you know, nine out of 10 people in Europe didn't own any land. Really? At, at the time of the American Revolution, nine out of ten people in in New England 
Scotland owned land. So land was very, very important, particularly as Judy said, or Lydia says, we were expanding west. So you just to think that nine out of 10 people in Europe did not own any land. Well, I would wonder if it wasn't a higher paying job at the time. It was. And a prestigious job. It, it was. And if you, you know, well, I, I could get off into surveying it and it was such a tedious job and oftentimes a, lo- a very lonely job because you're out, you know, you're out in the wilderness surveying this property and land and coming up with uh, territory and coming up with uh, different ways to, 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 to level off this land. So it it was a it was a job that had a lot of uh, built into it where you know you're going to get a lot of work to be a surveyor. So, Judy, is there anything that stuck out in your mind right off the bat about Anthony Wayne that that you want to share? Or well, you, go ahead. Yeah, just for the fun of it, I googled his name. I think through uh, uh, family history, and it was interesting whether it's factual, true or not. But it was interesting to come up with that his son was married to a cousin, 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 so many generations back on my side of the family, on my dad's side of the family. So, you know, actually, whether it's true or not, because I didn't go any further to research it any more than that, but it also, it gives you a personal connection. So he's become very important and popular in my mind. And again, we we say that, you know, history is a study of human behavior. And when we make these connections between what has happened in our past with the human side of it, it's it's continuing that story. And Lydia, when Lydia's book, Forgotten American Stories, she does that very well of tying what has happened in our country's past with the human stories of how it happened and why it happened. So, you know, it's there. We tie through that. Now, Lydia, I know that you have been to Valley Forge. And Judy, have you ever been to, to Valley Forge? No, I haven't. I've never even been in Pennsylvania, so no. Well, you need Is it to in Pennsylvania? Well, it's kind of... <laughs> yes, it is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it is in Pennsylvania. So, Judy, maybe you better go get here to, to okay. visit some of the sites here. Lydia, you, I know you were there a couple summers ago, and do you remember that big statue that was up on a hill of a man sitting on a horse uh yeah yeah there are lots of statues okay i've been to lots of places so but yeah i can picture that i don't is that anthony wayne anthony is it anthony wayne wayne anthony (laughs) man anthony (laughs) i mean if if it's the general lydia it's anthony wayne anthony wayne general anthony wayne if If you want to be a hollywood movie movie star it would be wayne anthony (laughs) okay Okay. the reason i'm asking that is because obviously we're a local show and so many people go out to Valley Forge and they see this statue, the largest statue in the park, this guy sitting on a horse that's way up on this hill. And most people think it's George Washington. And actually, it is Anthony Wayne. Yes, it is Anthony Wayne. So huh. and he's and that is because Pennsylvania, that's he's from Pennsylvania, they put that statue up in in memory of, of Anthony Wayne. So uh, and we moved as we got with Judy a few weeks ago, we got to the point 
point where Anthony Wayne is now at Valley Forge with his troops and how important it was to get food and supplies for the troops during the winter encampment. And Nathaniel Green sent Anthony Wayne out with troops into New Jersey to begin to accumulate food and supplies for the troops at, at Valley Forge. And we, we know how the men were naked, they were destitute, they were starving, they needed shelter, they needed clothes, they needed supplies. And Washington continued to beg the Continental Congress to send supplies, which weren't coming. And so how important was it for Anthony Wayne to go into New Jersey with about 40 men to begin to, to bring in supplies so the men of Valley Forge could be sheltered and eat and taken care of and so that they could they could survive. You know what's interesting is wasn't it typical back then where um, the armies would just plunder the countryside and, you know, farmers and just take whatever um, to sustain themselves. Because and maybe you mentioned it in, in a previous show, President Washington, or not President, General Washington at the time was, was not into that. He really supported, we need to be law-abiding citizens also and not steal from the countrymen that were trying to serve. And that's what was stuck out in my mind because he could have, others have done it, plundered the countryside and just robbed and pillaged locals. But he, he did it in a, in a mannerly way, which was also more difficult too, because wasn't it true that a lot of the countrymen could make more money selling to the British than to their own soldiers? Well, we have, I mean, he, he, again, the, these are complicated stories that oftentimes we try to whittle down to make very, to, to make very simple. One, Washington always told us troops, do not pillage. Uh, yeah. If we go into an area and we need lumber, do not take down fences. Do not take fence rails. Do not pillage farms. We That is not what we do. And oftentimes, even though the British were told not to do that, many times they did do that. And obviously the Hessians were when they were here, they didn't care. So they would pillage quite a bit. So, you know, that's one problem. Washington, when he rented the house from Isaac Potts, who was actually subletting the house to to a woman, Washington actually personally paid for the rental of that house. Now, we have a problem. The Washington's troops need supplies. Does the Continental Congress have money? No. And the money they had was worthless. So what, yeah. what was happening in the Philadelphia area is many of the farmers, particularly the Quaker farmers, they would sell their product to the British because they would be paid in coin, metal coin. So Washington now has to send out Anthony Wayne, or actually Nathaniel Green did, and try to commandeer supplies. Now, are farmers going to take continental money? No, because it's worthless. So they were all given IOUs for for uh, their farm food, their products, or supplies, or anything they had. So eventually, it was the responsibility of the Continental Congress to make payment for those supplies. So, you know, that's, again... The reality is, if Anthony Wayne shows up with 40 men or Nathaniel Green or, or Daniel Morgan show up out in Lancaster with 40 men, are you not going to take their IOU for, for their supplies that they need? <laughs> so, so yeah. that, you know, at that point. And 
without those supplies, the revolution is over at, at that point. And so when we look at this area and we see, I mean, obviously, if you're a farmer and you need to make a living, you're going to sell your food, your supplies to someone who's going to pay you in money that's worth something. And the problem was at this time, the, the continental dollar was absolutely worthless. You know, it was just paper. So there was a major problem with that at the time. Yeah, it sounds like... Uh... It could be a lose-lose if you were a farmer and wanted to support the troops, but you've got to feed your family, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you could either take the worthless, worthless money and sacrifice your food to feed your, your country's soldiers or and starve yourself. <laughs> yeah, tricky. And, Judy, I mean, again, th- these are not easy situations to, to, uh, to we muddle our way through. Remember, we were all citizens of Great Britain. So there are many, many, many people here in the colonies that during the revolution, they remained loyal to their country. And we oftentimes have this impression that that they were not patriots. Well, they were they were remaining loyal to their country and selling their what their supplies to their to their to, to their countrymen, which was Great Britain. So this these are these are very complicated issues that we have to think about and look Look at as as we honestly look at you know at our past and our and and what we had been through as a country. Well, I don't envy General Washington for being in that predicament. How did it work out with Anthony Wayne? Um, his his job or his assignment given to him to procure food from the people of New Jersey. Well, I'll answer it this way, Lydia. If Anthony Wayne shows up now, remember he is a well-known general. And what was his nickname after? this mad anthony wayne was he was he known to be a fighting general absolutely so lydia judy or myself if anthony wayne shows up at our house with 40 soldiers <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> <laughs> what can i get for you gentlemen yeah, exactly <laughs> and, and so but we see that anthony wayne would not allow his soldiers to pillage either as they went into new jersey to bring back supplies so we we think of anthony wayne as a fighting general, but look at what he did to help supply the troops at Valley Forge. And there is a local author who has written now two wonderful books on the revolution. One is on Brandywine and the other is on Germantown, uh, Michael Harris. And he's just recently written an article. He's done a long study on what were actually the numbers of our troops at Valley Forge. Because for years, the the number has been, well, Washington came into Valley Forge with about 11,000 soldiers and about 2,300 died during the winter. Well, Harris comes back now and says the numbers were probably more like 18,000 men that were at Valley Forge, which just now magnifies the lack of supplies even greater than it was if there was 11,000 there during the winter encampment. So these are just incredible numbers that that has to come in. And, and then we know after Valley Forge was over, the British leave Philadelphia. They vacate Philadelphia because the French now have come in and they're going to support our revolution. The British now move back to go back to New York to hold New York. Washington cuts them off over at the Monmouth County Courthouse and a, a major battle ensues there. A long all day it was going should have been two days, but the British vacate during the night. And, you know, we see 
Anthony Wayne there is tremendous prowess as a fighting general. So Wayne has a tremendous reputation of if you want a job to get done, if you want somebody to lead your troops, if you want somebody to fight a battle, Anthony Wayne is one of your guys. He's one of the generals that... Um, that that you want in charge of your troops. So, ladies, is there any other generals in American history that possibly you could think of that would have the reputation of being a good commanding combat general? Other than Washington? Uh, well, how was Nathaniel Green? I think he was good, wasn't he? Nathaniel Green was a wonderful, yeah. great combat fighting general. Judy? Yeah, all I can think of is Eisenhower. Okay. And, uh, I mean, he was, during the what late 50s and 60s, was so well thought of. Uh, but there's somebody else that I, my mind is just blank. Well, uh, <clears throat> we historians say that throughout American history, there are several that stand out uh, in each Pat- of them as, as a combat general. Sorry, did you think of one, Judy? Yeah, Patton. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yes. yes. Yeah, let's go back. In the revolution, Lydia, you said it. We had Anthony Wayne, we had Nathaniel Green, and there was a few others. In the Civil War, men like General Ulysses S. Grant yes. and William Tecumseh Sherman. In World War One, we had uh, John Pershing. In World War Two, we had George Patton and Douglas MacArthur. And I'm just giving you, you think of these combat generals. And Anthony Wayne was exactly like that. Anthony Wayne was, was the revolution general, that General Patton was in World War II or or General MacArthur or Ulysses S. Grant and William Tecumseh Sherman. So just a phenomenal general, a fighting general. Um, and we from this area, if you haven't been to the Paoli battlefield, please come out and visit the, the Paoli battlefield that's in Malvern, Pennsylvania. We've done some shows on that. Later on, the next year, uh, what happened at Anthony Wayne at Paoli, he turns, turns uh, on the British and does the same thing to them up in Stony Point, New York, uh, to to take to take uh, that part of the Hudson. So that's where he gets the name Mad Anthony Wayne. Now, ladies, is there anything else in your reading that you thought about about Anthony Wayne that that, that sticks out? Was he? Well, I don't know if, it, if this really sticks out, but I was just thinking: was he um, married at the time? I'm he thinking was. he was. And did he have kids at home that he had to leave behind along with his wife? Uh, Anthony Wayne was married to a woman, a Philadelphian, uh, Mary, that her nickname was Polly Penrose. And they were married in 1776. They had two children, Margareta, that was born in 1770, and Isaac, their only son, was born in 1772. And Lydia, Isaac goes on later on in life to become uh, a state representative or, or, or in Pennsylvania to in our area in, in Washington, D.C. Huh. And then wasn't his dad, wasn't Anthony Wayne also, did, did he did something in government? Wasn't he a representative as well? He was a uh, in the state legislature in Pennsylvania before okay. the war. And then after the war was over, uh, he owned a plantation in Georgia for, for several years. And here in, in this area, his home, Waynesboro, Lydia, went into um, quite a bit of debt. So Wayne was not very successful 
as a plantation farmer in Georgia. Lydia, he came back to Pennsylvania to try to resurrect Waynesboro, his home. Yeah. And he was tremendously in debt. And he found a very uh, nebulous law that stated that if you were in the Pennsylvania state legislature, no one could take your land from you and no one could sue you for your debt. (laughs) Oh, wow. So Wayne went back into the the Pennsylvania legislature for a, a certain amount of time because of that. So he kind of used that as a, not only as a way to serve, but kind of sounds like more of a way of protecting his property from. (laughs) Yes. And the nitty gritty of it is that he, his mother, actually Waynesboro was in his, it was owned by his mother and Anthony Wayne uh, borrows a lot of money to keep Waynesboro afloat. And unfortunately it didn't work. So he went into even more debt and owed his mother a lot of money to keep Waynesboro going, which, you know, was not very economically efficient at the time. So now I know that a lot of people don't know this, but you know that Anthony Wayne was actually voted into Congress from the state of Georgia. Well, he must have done a good job or they must have really liked him. Well, Judy, Lydia, answer this question for me. Do do things really change? Because when he was elected to Congress, when he was living in Georgia after the revolution, there was a lot of voter discrepancy. Oh, wow. And so Anthony Wayne, it was decided that his election was fraudulent. And so it got tossed out. <laughs> oh my! Things don't change, you know. Things. I don't. guess not. So you know that's so he was voted into the as a representative from the state of Georgia. He was first a representative years before from Pennsylvania, and then when he came back to Pennsylvania after he sold his his plantation to get out of debt, he went back into um, the legislature here in Pennsylvania. So we, we see this long-term career of, of Anthony Wayne as a farmer, a surveyor, a tanner, a general back in the legislature. And then we see him later on come back into the military. So this, this man had a phenomenal career. Just a phenomenal, I'll say. Um, at that point, unfortunately, economics plays a lot to do with it and Waynesboro was severely in debt when when he came back to this area um so why was after after stony point anthony wayne is sent down to the south for the rest of the revolution and we see him at green springs we see him at yorktown he did a lot the last two years of the war to help clean up a lot of the um guerrilla warfare going on in the south and then we see after the war was over a lot of legislature and laws that anthony wayne pushed to try to protect the people of the south particularly georgia that were remained loyal to great britain he he did a lot to help them be protected legally so they were able to keep their land they were able to pay their taxes rather than being uh, punished for remaining loyal to Great Britain. Anthony Wayne did a lot of 
different situation, different things to help them be protected so that they would not be ostracized. They would not be abused, even though they remain loyal to Great Britain during the war. So anything else, ladies, that you can think of as we're closing out this part of the program? About no, but but I can think of a question for maybe next time, and that is, um, uh, you know, I mentioned kind of questions about his family life. It sounded like he wasn't too faithful to his wife. <laughs> you opened a can of worms, Lydia. Oh, I know. I yeah. got to go, but I, I'm going to leave you with that but can will, of worms, will, ladies and gentlemen. We'll <laughs> discussion in our next show. <laughs> so, Lydia... Judy, thank you for coming and sharing with us. And people, please listen to We the Kids at 9.30 on Saturday mornings. And we're going to continue. We're going to do another show with Anthony Wayne. So, Lydia, thank you for sharing. I know you have to run. And, Judy, I believe you are staying with us. And we're going to continue our discussion on Anthony Wayne in the next show. So, ladies, thank you for coming and helping me out today. Very exciting. Thank you. Thank you. This is 1180 AM WFYL, Working for Your Liberty.